This presentation is from Design Research 2021, day one. We have uh, Kate Hardgrave uh, coming up next. Hello, Kate. Hi, hello, Steve. Now, you're, um, you're delivering part two of a talk that you uh, introduced two years ago. Yes. Um, fascinated to find out how things have been going uh, since you presented in 2019. So I will hand over straight to you. Thank you for joining us and um, take it away. Great. Thank you. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, as Steve mentioned, my name is Kate Hardgrave and I'm the Design Research Lead at Unisuper in our Customer Experience and Digital team. And this morning I'll be sharing with you a story about my experience in leading a particular stream of work, the customer stream, in a really big strategic project that happened at Unisuper that was really all about figuring out what should the future of Unisuper be? So I'll share with you what went well, what didn't go so well, and what I wish I'd done differently. Um, I'm hoping that this talk is really valuable for any of you who have wondered about how we can use research and insights to really guide strategic direction within an organisation. But before I jump into the story, I'm really aware of the fact that awareness of Unisuper itself is actually very low. And so let me first introduce to you my place of work and the context before we dive into the story. So I work um, in the Australian superannuation sector, and that is an industry that's typically very complex. It's really highly regulated, and we tend to see a lot of customer disengagement and apathy. And so what that means is that a lot of super funds are trying to differentiate based on service and on customer experience. Unisuper is one of the largest funds in that sector. So we have about $90 billion in funds under management and just under half a million members. One of the reasons why our awareness is so low is we're actually a partially closed fund. So we're dedicated to the higher education and research sector and if you work in that industry, you can join us as a member, but we're also open to family members of existing members. Over the last three to four years or so, we've been working really hard to try and drive customer-centric change at Unisuper. So using research and insights to try and shift internal mindsets, reverse engineer processes, and really put our customers at the heart of what we're trying to do. And in doing that, we've migrated away from those more traditional market research quantitative techniques. And we're now using a real blend of methods, quant and qual, human-centered design, competitor analysis. And of course, this has involved an enormous amount of stakeholder engagement over those years. One of the biggest tools that we actually used to drive that customer centricity was a journey mapping program. And we shared our findings and we played quotes to hundreds of people from all over the organisation, including right up to board director level, really trying to bring that empathy to life. And as Steve has alluded to, if this is sounding, starting to sound a bit familiar, it's because I've actually presented part one of this before. So in 2019, I co-presented our journey mapping journey uh, at Design Research alongside my colleague, Leah McKenzie. And we spoke about using research and insights to shift internal mindsets and really embed CX. At the time, I remember that we said that this was just the beginning, and it really was. 
because my talk today is about chapter two. It's about what happened when that groundswell that we had created through the journey mapping program resulted in myself leading a small team of experienced designers and actually having a part, a role to play within an organisational wide strategic project. Because at the time of us delivering that journey work, Unisuper was increasingly finding itself facing into a challenge. We had been operating from a position of strength for quite some time. We have really great returns, low fees, good satis customer satisfaction scores, industry recognition through awards, and a pretty steady income of new members thanks to our partnerships with the university sector. But what Unisuper was increasingly realising is that there was a lot of change that was potentially coming on the horizon. And so there was this need to figure out how we could keep operating from a position of strength, even as everything around us was changing. And so a project was set up to address that question, to essentially understand what would we need to do, what capabilities would we need to get us to that place where we can keep growing and keep scaling, even as everything changes. And so with a researcher's hat on, to me, this meant really deeply understanding the current state, what problems currently exist that we need to solve for, and then understanding where do we want to get to or what does the future state look like? And then how do we need to get from current to future? What things might we need to do to bridge the gap? Unisuper's overarching purpose is to provide greater retirement outcomes. And at the time, we had three pillars that laddered up to that purpose. And this project that was set up sat firmly within the improvement pillar. And it was huge. So it touched on all customer products throughout the entire customer lifecycle and all operational teams at Unisuper. And after all those years and all that work, we had so much information about what our customers go through, what's the current state of the customer experience. We had a really established presence and quite a bit of credibility, including right up to our board director level. And what that meant is that we were really perfectly placed to step into that space of uncertainty and help guide Unisuper in how to tackle that enormous question. So while the organisation wasn't quite sure, we could begin. And we were, weird to that, we were used to that weird, uncomfortable feeling that comes with uncertainty, but prepared to trust in the art and science of design. And so the stream that I was leading, the customer stream, was the first one to kick off in the project. But as is often the case in large organisations, we did have a period of a couple of weeks where we were waiting for the official green light for the project to get going. And so we tried to use that time as effectively as we could. And one of the things that we did is we set out to articulate some customer experience principles that we could hold ourselves accountable for the duration of the project, which ended up being about nine months. So this was really about defining what's a desired outcome from a customer's perspective. What's the flag on the hill for ourselves? We used our existing customer experience principles at Unisuper and we iterated and refined them to suit the strategic and future focus of this project. And what we wound up with were 11 customer experience principles that we were going to hang our hats on for this period of work. Now, at the time, we definitely didn't realize how valuable these principles would be throughout the project. Really, we did it because we had the luxury of a couple of weeks, 
Plus, we knew that Unisuper as an organisation tends to be a lot more comfortable with metrics and structure. And so this was a nod to that. But these were useful at all stages throughout the project. So when defining what a pain point was, when articulating why we prioritised the way that we did, and then when we actually got to that place of ideating on what the future state should look like. And so this is a stroke of inspiration that I would definitely lean on again, but more intentionally next time. The second part to it was actually taking those 11 principles and laddering them up back to three overarching business principles. So here we were trying to balance the needs of being customer-centric plus the needs of the business up front because we had a bit of a hunch that desirability and viability might start to play out a bit in this project. Plus three principles is a lot easier for our stakeholders to latch onto. From here, the project officially kicked off and suddenly we weren't just running, we were sprinting head on into an enormous amount of work uh, with some very tight timeframes. We structured our approach around our trusty friend, the double diamond. The first part of our work was really all about deeply understanding the current state of play and what problems are we trying to solve for. And then the second part was about figuring out what should the future of customer experience for Unisuper be and what would the organisation need to do to get us to that place? And reassuringly, we had an enormous amount of work that could give us a really good head start. But these maps actually had some serious limitations to them that we didn't recognise at the time of creating them. And one is that we'd considered the journeys in silos. So never with an enterprise-wide view or with a full member lifecycle view. And the second is that they didn't articulate the corresponding journey or experience of Unisuper at each stage in the journey. So where were our pain points? Did they align to our customer pain points? And were there some serious hotspots for us to focus on? And so to address this, we ran research and discovery with our internal stakeholders. We organised workshops to fill in that business layer iterating on our existing materials, refining our mapping approach to suit the strategic focus of this project. So essentially what we were doing here was mapping the journey of the business alongside that of our customers and refining our journey maps. Now, when you think that Unisuper has about 900 to 1,000 internal employees, and we also have a lot of in-house functions, so administration, member services, advice, investments, the, the sheer magnitude of coordination, coordination that went into these workshops is kind of crazy to think about. But they were really critical, both from a stakeholder buy-in perspective, but also in terms of ensuring we had a whole of organisation and holistic perspective to our data. We organised the workshops according to key moments in the customer journey to try and maintain that customer centricity despite doing the research on our internal employees at the same time. Now, around this time, I started to realise that our little team of five in the customer stream was starting to feel a bit disjointed. So it included myself as the researcher, two senior experienced designers, a project manager and an enterprise architect. We had very different approaches, different ways of thinking about pain points, different ways of approaching design and discovery. And so as a researcher, I wanted to better understand the people that I was working with. 
we were stuck together in a room all day every day with way too much sugar and not enough fresh air. And so collaboration was going to be a lot more effective if we could better understand each other and better understand each other's perspectives. And so we used the Schwartz theory of basic human values, which essentially states that there's this set of values that are likely to be universal across cultures. And we each went away and we highlighted our top five values. And then we came back together and shared it as a group. And suddenly things started to make a lot more sense. So one of our team members who had been grappling with some of the moral and ethical challenges associated with applying human-centered design to a business had a lot of their values in universalism. Another team member who is exceptionally empathetic to the point where saying no is never really an option had a lot of their values in benevolence. And suddenly we could be a lot more deliberate in seeking each other's input trying to be more holistic in our thinking and dividing tasks depending on each other's natural inclinations. So this was a really valuable team building exercise during the project. Through all of that discovery, we went through many, many rounds of synthesis and we arrived at six core problem spaces for Unisuper to solve for. But we were really, really aware of the risks that those problem spaces would be considered and solved for in silos as has often been the case at Unisuper. And so we built a story of cause and effect to help the business remember the problem spaces, to understand how they interact, and realize that we couldn't solve for one area just in isolation. And we built a narrative about the current state of Unisuper to really create that burning platform for change. Status quo bias can be a really tricky thing to overcome in a project that's as wide-reaching and all-encompassing as this one was. And so we tried to deal with this by selling our story through really detailed and memorable anecdotes, examples and quotes that could link the six problem spaces together, almost like a daisy chain. And we showcased this across the whole organisation, including right up to our board director level. As you can see from the photo, we kept our showcase materials really raw. It was deliberately not a polished report because we wanted to show that this was a collaborative effort, it was evolving, and it wasn't set in stone, so we could change the narrative. Now, the tipping point came for us here because our CEO nominated himself to become the sponsor for the project. What this meant is that we were suddenly a lot more empowered to really keep pushing for and driving for change but we were also under a huge spotlight now with a lot more pressure to do a really good job in a very short space of time. With this too came an expansion of the project to include a second stream called the enablement stream. And this was really focused on support functions like finance and human resources. And of course, this meant that desirability and viability were starting to play out more and more. And what we realized very quickly is that our approaches were very different. So as a customer stream, we were very organic in our thinking. We were very used to iteration and not having a predefined output. The enablement stream, on the other hand, were much more structured in their thinking and used to using frameworks and predefined criteria to guide their process. And what this meant is that collaboration between the two streams was actually very tricky. And if I could go back in time, I wish that I had actively thought outside the silo of our customer stream more. 
because how powerful would it have been to have better understood each other and our perspectives and approaches from the beginning and actually be able to leverage each other's strengths? And when I reflect on these business principles, we created them ourselves without input from the broader business. And I wish that we'd co-designed them. It would have driven alignment and made collaboration a lot easier. In any case, as a customer stream, at this point, we had the problems we were trying to solve for and we were ready to move into figuring out what the future of customer experience should look like. And so we ran ideation with stakeholders from all over the business, firstly going really wide and coming up with lots of ideas and solutions, and then gradually iterating on them, refining them and validating them. And out of the back of that, we had a number of really great prototypes and ideas that we could carry forward. Now, at this point, we were about a month or so ahead of the enablement stream because they started after us. And in hindsight, I wish we'd done co-design together. It would have resulted in a lot less confusion for our stakeholders. But I'm also aware that when the two streams did eventually come together, we lost some of the essence of our solutions and ideas along the way. I should also mention that when we were running the ideation, we were lucky enough to be doing it before lockdown. I know that co-design was a lot harder for the enablement team because they had to run this virtually. Now, off the back of all of that, we refined our prototypes and created an artifact that could be readily used by Unisuper to guide its decision-making when it came to actually implementing initiatives to get us to that target state. And we called it the Target Customer Experience Blueprint. So for each stage in the customer life cycle and for each of our products, it articulates the customer's objectives or to uh, reference Indy earlier, their purpose. Uh, what are the experience requirements? So this is like the level four processes, uh, which is a nod to our enablement team. Uh, which teams at Unisuper are involved? What are our customer experience principles? And then what would the business need to do to get us to that place? So it's both customer-centric while also speaking the language of the business. Uh, and this is actually an artifact that I'm really proud of. And the reason for that is we've been embedding it into project delivery across Unisuper. What this means is it gives my team, the customer experience team, an opportunity to be aware of changes, to be called upon for insights and to actually influence change before it's already been delivered and we find out after the fact. So it gives us greater permission to actually be proactive and suggest projects and ideas. And research is not just a validation step. Now, we're part of the discovery phase. We also mapped out that blueprint into example journey maps. So this is like a zoomed out view that allows people to connect with the direction we're heading in before they have to dive into the detail of that massive blueprint. So here we're trying to drive alignment for the business. If, if I think back over everything that we did, I'm really proud of how much we achieved in that period of time, both from going from problem state to figuring out what the future should look like, to co-designing initiatives alongside the enablement stream, and then having those initiatives actually delegated out to sponsors. So they're actually currently going through a process of prioritization for delivery. And this is going to be something that takes a number of years for Unisuper. It's very much my hope that we can keep maintaining customer centricity and alignment throughout the next few years. Of course, my fear is that this is a lot of change for one organization to deal with, 
especially as the marketplace keeps changing. But in ambiguity lies opportunity. And so I'm really excited to see where UniSuper gets to in the next few years. As I said at the beginning, this was just chapter two. We definitely didn't do everything right this time. And I know there are a lot more learning experiences to come. So look, thank you for listening. I'm happy to respond to any questions and please feel free to reach out. I'm always um, happy to have a nerdy research chat. Thank you. Thanks very much, Kate. It's great to see how far you've been able to take things at UniSuper. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful organisation um, looking after retirement savings for a lot of people. Um, so it's, it's great to see that the, the work that you're doing there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.